Having a Gas With is the podcast that talks to the great and the good of the creative industries, and in particular, finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for advertising, for dancing to, for cooking to, for f***ing to, and more. Today, I'm having a gas with Sally Miller, an executive producer at Hogarth Worldwide. Sally has been a creative producer since the 1990s, but most recently has made waves with TikTok's first ever TV commercial. Hello, Sally. Hello. How are you, Greg? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, I'm surprised to see that you are because it sounds as if uh, you have been working non-stop even during lockdown. Yes, it's definitely uh, different hours, I would say. Yeah, mm. you think you, you're, although you're in your position, you know, you're at home and everything's around you, you're just non-stop on the Zoom. Yes. <laughs> Zoom traffic is what it is. So... Um, but it's good. It's really good. I, I, I absolutely love doing the TikTok. It was really good fun and really, really pleased with the outcome, actually. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to digging into that with you. But uh, uh, just a sort of brief bit of background on what's going on now versus what was going on before. Because before we did this interview, uh, we were uh, discussing the fact that things have now changed for you. Obviously, you're an exec producer. You're sort of top of the top of the chain as far as shoots go in terms of being busy, making decisions, getting things done. And you uh, gave me the impression that there has been something that we've learned from this lockdown thing, uh, a new way of doing things that we could have always been doing. What have you seen change about shoots? How can we streamline them? I think... I don't think as many people need to be on them. I think we can definitely work on that. Um, I also think that uh, the, the Zoom calls, although they're not very personal, you can speak to everybody globally. I've, I've had more global chats with uh, Hogarth and everybody around Hogarth and WPP than I ever have when I was in the office. So I've actually got to know more people, weirdly, via Zoom than, than I did before. So I think that there you can just have a bit more connection um, I weirdly like Zoom, so Zoom calls. So um, I don't, and not everybody does, but I don't mind them. It's like your very own TV show, as yes. I keep getting called in the in the TV meetings. They're always like, "It's the Sally Show," because I, <laughs> I don't mean to take over, but I don't know why. I think I always wanted to be a kids presenter, so I think that this is my my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is the audition. I think so. Yes. Well, I'm too old to be a kids presenter now, but I, that was something I really wanted to do when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, going from that to where we are now, before we uh, dig into the, you know, the meat of the matter, um, what do you do now, and how did you get there? So, oh, that's a good question. So I'm an exec producer now for Hogarth. Um, and I work for James Brooke Partridge, uh, who's a lovely boss. Um, and I used to be at Ogilvy before, actually, um, in the TV department as a producer. Uh, but what happened was I left there. So I sort of, how do I start? Started off as a PA for um, Lowe's back in the day. Is that now uh, Mullen Low? Uh, no, I think it was Low Howard Spink. Okay, yeah. Um, so it was like all of the orange ads, um, you know, Stella, lots of the big ones of that time. So I started as a PA there. Um, before that, I worked for the Tate Gallery, which is um, a sound studio that Johnny and Warren have now got Wave. But I used to work with them at the Tate Gallery as a bookings girl. So I did that for quite a few years. And that was interesting because you met all the people in the industry. And in those days, there was a lot of famous people coming in and out. So lots of good stories there. 
Um, I remember Leslie Phillips coming in and I didn't know who he was. And I was uh, on reception, let him in. And I said, oh, are you the director? And he went, um, no, darling, I'm the voiceover. I, I say things like, oh, hello. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, you're him, you're him. I was like, Amazing. oh. That, that was really embarrassing. Um, then I went to be a PA at Lowe. And then after that, I went to Ogilvy and um, cut, really, it was quite good because Ogilvy allowed the PAs on a shoot. So I went on my first abroad shoot and did lots and lots of that. So I was kind of a late developer. I was a PA for five years, which is a long time. But actually, I'm really glad I, I was because I was ready, really ready when I got made to a producer. And then I stayed at Ogilvy for nine years and then went and freelanced after that at Widens and McGowie Bowen. And then I got a job at WCRS working for the lovely Sally Lipsius. And I was there for about seven years. And then uh, doing things like King, Churchill, um, Santander, all that sort of stuff, all the like big clients. And then James um, poached me and now I'm at Hogarth um working on uh Philips a lot of TikTok I've done a lot of TikTok which has been uh really a different way of working because they're very very fast and it's very very reactive um and so you're kind of got many hats um as well as the producer hat but I've, I've loved it actually because it's been um a huge everybody's doing it in this lockdown it's like a it, it it was heard of but now it's gone like mad like loads of footage has been taken from tiktok on tv and everybody's doing it you know grannies parents kids it's it's really quite a, a positive platform yeah so uh, there's a few things to pick up on there one of the things in terms of uh, the irony that now we're looking to streamline shoots and take fewer people, but that's actually how you got your experience being a PA who was allowed to go to the shoot. Um, so hopefully if that's not pulling the ladder up for people who want to get into it, what do you think the work experience opportunities are going to be for the youngins who are desperate to get into the industry, but they can't go on shoots because of COVID security? That is an absolutely brilliant question. I think that... Uh I think I was very lucky when I got into it because I had a brilliant teacher and I was trained really well by the late Russell Benson. And and that was, that is actually really important how you're trained. So I think there are ways, uh, speaking to NABs, I've spoken to NABs about this before, and I think some of the more senior producers, um, you know, like Helen Powlett, people like that can train, you know, we can offer our services to to show the next generation. I think it's really important. Even in lockdown, there are ways, um, if they can't go on a shoot, there are so many things that we can teach them to do. You just need to give them time. Mm -hmm. And the problem is now there isn't the time yes. um, and there isn't the budget to always have that. But I think we need to figure out a way because there will be a lost generation in, yeah. in, in moving forward. So I totally think there's a little gap there that needs to be looked at for sure. Great, yeah. I get um, there was an old joke on uh, Futurama when they were doing a shoot. It would say "No writers, please" on the door. And uh, is that is, is that a thing of the past? Copywriters coming along to the uh, the Brazil shoot. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of um, you can only take one of the creatives, or the art director or the copywriter. But now um, you also have both the copywriter. They they seem to do both, which I always find a little bit tricky because generally you have a talent for one or the other don't you i mean yes. there obviously are like the social guys on tiktok um although they are defined there there is a copywriter and there is an art director so i think 
it'd be still good to keep that. And I think that also the other thing that I'm not quite sure about is putting like strangers together. You know, yes. I love sometimes when they've known each other or how they met and the story of a copywriter and an art director and, and what they've done together. Because part of the passion is the relationship, isn't it, as well? Yes. So um, I think that's a little bit disjointed at the moment, like just putting people together. I think you've got to be really lucky if that is a explosive combination because if you listen to any of those podcasts on david reviews or there's a couple of other ones paul wyden was in an interview recently all of those relationships have come from long knowing someone a long time mm -hmm. and just bouncing ideas off each other and you know the most brilliant directors and uh writers of films have have a history together don't they so um there's always a little bit of quirkiness to it and i think that's definitely something that we are missing slightly yeah okay if you know what i mean yeah mm. absolutely there's um star quality and everyone knows when they've worked with those creatives or even those producers who have that uh chemical x that makes them uh brilliant and you were talking chemical about x i like that that's yeah. good i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pinch that all right well <laughs> i just want to make sure i get a credit for it every time it appears <laughs> in campaign <laughs> <laughs> so you were poached by James and um, yes. I'm guessing that's because you have that a, a part of that special something that producers need. So obviously you've been around, you've been... Uh, well, I don't know about that. I think I knew him from Ogilvy and he was brilliant. And uh, when I knew he was there as well, and it, it just all worked out really well. But okay. I think, again, it's the fact that we knew each other and, and the same kind of training. We had the same kind of training. The same phrase book to work from. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, you know, you never say no. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you'll always find a way. Yes, yes that's exactly <laughs> right. And I, you know, because um, there's a, that's really good because it's against a something of a parochial British, uh, that can't be done. Producers have to be, this can be done and it will be done by 5pm. That's the producer. Absolutely. And, and, and there's always a way of doing it. And I was always taught that the creative is always right. Mm -hmm. They're my main... Uh, these days it's a lot more client-led so you've got to be as a producer very very good in front of a client I feel and that's not always something that you learn that's something that you get through experience and yes. different clients yes. and learning how to be but um creatively that's that my my most you know that is where I've got to take my lead from I've got to make that creative happy somehow so that's really interesting that because I, I I won't lie to you I didn't get into the industry to work in advertising because I was a young idealistic I was going to be a rock star musician I'm never going to have to do adverts and uh, so when I had to when I had to come and uh, you know try and impress these guys at, at Gas Music I was very much a, well I'm coming here for music not for advertising but what got me into the the just what was good about the industry I'm ashamed almost to say was watching Mad Men now uh, since seeing that and knowing where we're at now it sounds like that was an era in the way you just described it where the hierarchy was your creative is here and your client and your producer are underneath whereas now it's client all the way up yeah but i think you know that's a absolutely brilliant mad men is exactly kind of what it was like without the with it without the drinks cabinets but yes. that's kind of what it was like at low uh, from from the era that i came from and if you look at the work that was produced it was fabulous work you know really creative work on linkedin at the moment there's a few people like mark denton and also putting older ads up and it just shows you they still stand. There's still great ideas. And you and that comes because they're good at what they do. Yes. And that's about trust and relationship. But it also means that the account guys were of the belief 
and they would sell the creative. Yes, you they're know, selling they, it in, yeah. They, they're selling it in. And I think there's a little bit, so much being scared now to lose the client because they've got so many other options and also yeah. so much clients are doing it themselves that, you're, that, that, that it's more of a yes, 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 when actually I think it's, um, we could do with a little bit of the old uh, to be respected for for the idea you know if it's a brilliant idea then then let's keep let's try and, and get this through we're doing it for the good of your brand not just because we're creative and yes. we want to get right we're don draper that's not why we're doing it we're doing it because you will sell more it will look good and people will talk about it and saying that TikTok are actually one of those clients that allow us to to do that you know they they, they have trusted us to do that you know that and that's that's that with the trust and the relationship becomes good stuff, right? So, yeah. well, and that's, let's lead off with that. Let's 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 talk about TikTok because I told you when I when I called you up about doing this podcast uh, that as soon as that was out, because my circle know that I'm in the music of advertising business, my phone just went off and said, "Have you seen the TikTok advert? Have you seen it? Who's done the music? That's the best thing, you know, I've seen for ages." And so. Uh, let's get a let's get an overview because it is really one of the most popular TV ads I've seen for a long time. Ironically, for one of the things that's allegedly coming to kill the TV. So um, I know yeah. it's bizarre, and also for me, I've been in the industry about almost twenty eight years now. Oh my god, and I've never been asked for an interview. So this is amazing. I mean, in lockdown, I shoot an ad in lockdown, and I get an interview. So this is fantastic for me i'm, I'm loving it loving well, think, the attention <laughs> i think the, produ- the producers are often like the the like the chefs they're in the kitchen they're unseen you know so the uh, the, cr- the creatives get to do all the um all the having a gas but uh, yeah talk to me about what has the experience been like overall uh, you know when did it come in when did it pick up was it was it in before covid and did that smash it apart or no so it wasn't here before covid it was more of a, a really reaction because they're so reactional it was a reaction to like the first week i think or first or second week that their uh downloads of tiktok went through the roof so they were like we need to go on tv we need to get out there we need to let people know we know you know right. yeah. we know they're doing this so we need to reaction uh lewis and adam who are creatives at social our social lab they are brilliant guys mm-hmm. um they've been around a long time and i think they come from glue before but that but they wrote this idea and um, and the client always loved that track because it was used in a tiktok with the cats you know the beginning part of the of the ad with the cats and it yes. goes around and it goes to music. that that's actually been used in in a tiktok uh, from one of the tiktokers there's quite a few of them it went off I think it was last year so they've always liked that track that track has always been on the table so that track was what we were given and then the guys had to come up with an idea around that and basically what we're saying is you know it's a brighter world we can do some stuff that makes us happy during this time get yourself you know get yourself on tiktok um, and that was that really. And they wanted to do uh, lots of um, illustration with it, um, as well as using TikTokers. And then there were some celebrities that were on the table. But uh, we were sort of, the whole thing probably took in total three weeks. Um, it took a week to shoot. And then we did some rehearsals before. I have got a behind the scenes that I think I've sent you if anyone's interested. It's, it's quite good to see how it all went about. But we um, shot I'll it put a link I- to that in the, uh, in the description. Oh, perfect. It's just what's weird about it is that um, you never get to, although you do it behind the scenes on on shoots, you never get to actually record all the conversations because you're on Zoom. They're all recorded. So yes. when I gave it to the editor, 
uh, he was just like, this is great. I've got so much footage to work with here. Cause you know, we talked to the celebrities, we all had a go at, you know, chatting and stuff. So yeah, it was really, it, there was a lot of footage for that. So it was good. But um, the first week was more about uh, Zach, who's agile, has worked with the, uh, Adam and Lewis before. Zach has done quite a few TikTok um, ads and the client loves him too. So there was no point really in going down the road of, um, we did look at other directors, but it just felt right. And the client really wanted Zach as well. So it, it was a good combo. You know, it was one of those ones where you go, oh, this is all working nicely, great. Um, and then he sort of then went to recce all of the houses via Zoom with the art director. And they kind of like would take pictures of the room and figure out what they needed to put in their props wise and also wardrobe for the TikTokers. So Amazon was a huge, uh, <laughs> we used Amazon a lot. <laughs> You're literally just buying things on Amazon to get all the ne necessaries oh, yeah. for the shoot. Yep, absolutely. Wow. And then getting them there because obviously you can't, you know, touch anything or be around them or anything so they've got all of that and then we have to sort of they do a list with the project manager and uh jude the producer to tell them exactly what they need to do so we'd some of them we'd send them an iphone so that they could uh with a um apparatus so they could uh pop it up so they knew what to do and then we'd sort of talk through what they needed to do and where they needed to move the props so it's like can you move these flowers over here can you move that to the left you know it was all that kind of thing so very live you know and and very much for me really involved like you know right in there with the production company which i love i love that bit we don't always get to do that so it's really good um and then we took it from there so the call sheets were like proper call sheets but zoom calls so it was like you know 10 till 12 um gordon ramsay and his daughter wow you know so then we'd be talking about that and we do that Zach would do a rehearsal with them and then we go for it kind of thing they were absolutely brilliant you can tell when someone's been in front of a camera and knows exactly how to do and what to say and how to do it he was he was genuinely a really really nice man really yeah a lot a lot lot softer than you'd than how you see him so well, yeah. I got the impression, yeah, that he's he's definitely fashioned a successful character for his brand, but also get the impression that he's a you know a solid gold professional entertainment guy and also a family man. So you're you're getting to see all this up close in your living room on your laptop. I know it's so bizarre, like, and and also just what I found quite, and that's to to Agile's credit as well, and the guys Adam and and Lewis is how um, incredibly smooth it was. I actually did have a really good um, account director, Tom, uh, and he had a great relationship with um, TikTok as well. So he really brought them on the journey and did a lot of the explaining. And, and yeah, it was just, a, you know, when a team's really good, yes. it, we just worked really well together. And it kind of, you just wanted to put in the hours and wanted to give the time. And it, it, and it just it just worked really well. I mean, some of the um, thing, obviously some of the, when we were shooting didn't always happen. The dog was absolutely great, but it was a nightmare to get him over the toilet rolls and, you know, do all that kind of thing. So um, the granddad was brilliant, but he gave us a lot more than we wanted. Hmm. Um, Tom Daly was brilliant. He wanted to do all these other things with it as well. We got to meet Tom Daly's mum. And then, you know, that's what's so mad. You know, you got the laptop and you're going, oh, here's my mum, here's this, you know. Yeah. Which was which was really good. It was a, it was a I would say much more of a personal shoot than than a normal shoot. I would say. So is the um, the TikTok uh, is the team at TikTok quite? Uh, I don't want to seem patronising in any way, but I want to, I want to say young minded. Do you know what I mean? Is it all quite a young team? 
Yes, yes, it is a young team and it's a very forward thinking team. They obviously, I think they don't just have us as a client. They have other, they use other agencies, you know, like Instagram and Facebook do that as well. They yeah. kind of, I think they do internal as well. So they, they, they know what they're doing. You, there's no, um, you know, you, it, it is what it is. I think what they liked was the team um, and they really like the creative team. So that, that helps a huge amount, you know, because they like the way they write and they write for them and they they absolutely love the ad it's done really well they're now um making it for global so that they can use it in other countries so they'll take out you know different people and, and replace it yeah exactly. it's gonna be like so, cele- celebrity replacement i'm not sure i'm not i'm not actually on that one i've been given a phillips job so i'm not um and a vodafone job so i'm not actually on that at the moment but um i'll uh, i'll keep you posted and let you know but um i think it's the same track because the track's just done really well they love the music so. yeah that was um uh, that was part of the discussion i had with uh with rory sutherland he was saying it's interesting how often and and I'd, I'd like to get your view on this how often in production um the shoot and the concept is devised and created and done and then when you get to post you start thinking about music and um is that the most common way of doing it and is this quite unusual to take the track and build around it or the last time I did a, an ad where the track was already picked was a King commercial for Candy Crush when I was at WCRS and they picked a Bjork, um, It's Also Quiet. Oh, great which, track, yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. You should have a look. It's, um, it's it was Nathan Price who the director was. He did a great job at Park Pictures and it was uh, It's Also Quiet. But Bjork wouldn't, apparently hates that track, absolutely hates that track. She never wrote it. Mm-hmm. So um, she didn't clear, didn't want to clear it. So I managed to find well I didn't a company called which I shouldn't probably talk about another music company. No, no, I you can or? do that. Happy, happy to hear. Okay, Soho Music found me a brilliant. Um, I think it was uh, I can't remember what Denmark. I think uh, one of the uh, Simon Cowell um, people that won one of the Denmark programs and she sang it and she sang it amazingly well so I paid for the rights of the song and her which was a lot but nowhere near what I would have had to pay the York and um, I don't think anyone knew I, I luckily I didn't get uh, caught for passing off or anything like that I might now and now I've admitted to it but uh, um, but, so it was actually you know, to your advantage that uh, Bjork didn't want to clear it because you were able to get the publishing and then a much cheaper master recording Exactly. Um, I mean, the publishing was quite high. I think I yes. paid something like 90 grand, but really 90 grand for that track. I thought that was pretty good, you know, considering yeah. it was a global, it was worldwide. It was an, a big one in America. It was, it was all the countries. So I, that was, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the jobs that the track, it, it was all about the track. So we had to do it. Yeah. But, but generally, no, it's, it's, I always find it. I think music is, incredibly important and most of the jobs that that have done really well for me and have done and been successful have been about a great track and everybody remembers a great track and they don't do that they don't put you you always get the music budget and it's like oh yeah we'll just put a library track in just put five grand in you know it's like yeah but when it comes to the edit and then you get the editor put on an absolutely cracking track and then you've got to go yeah, we've got five grand for music, so... Yeah, yeah. You know. when you work out the budget with a certain assumption and then you go against that assumption. I think you've got to have a pretty um, forward-thinking client that understands what music can bring to your brand. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and once they do that, 
they realise that music is really important, I think. Yeah. We- anything you put on, and I'm not dissing library tracks, because there's some amazing library tracks out there, and some ads don't warrant it. But I would say that, that, that there's a huge amount that do, and I think that they should really, that should be a real talking point to the, to the client. Yeah, well, you know, you are preaching firmly to the converted because, you know, we are, bespoke composition is what does, what puts food on the table for us. And yeah, that's often what we find. It's like, if only we could be one step further in the supply chain and get to talk to the client about music, but now you will actually have that. Uh, it'll be within your gift to just sell that onto the client. It's like TikTok was this massive success and music led it. It's worth considering. Definitely. And that, that, that's a really good point, actually. And I think I will start using some of the examples that I've got. But also, I generally, with music companies, I like to bring them on quite early. Yes. Um, myself, anyway, even if I haven't had approval, I just like to get opinions and thoughts. And, and that helps me with the creatives as well, you know. So yeah. um, I think it's also quite, I'm a bit of a Radio 6 fan. So I love, I, I love some of the stuff that Lauren Laverne puts on. So I'm, I, it's really funny because... I pretend, and now I'm really letting out some secrets, I pretend that I've put these people forward or I've found them, but generally they're from Lauren Laverne in the morning. <laughs> right, so uh, do you want me to send this on to her and then she can get uh, some commission for everything that gets synced? <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. I just don't like it's just that sometimes as you're getting older as a producer, you want to keep with it. So I have to, I know Radio 6 isn't keeping with it, but I love the fact that they've got some quirky, brilliant, creative suggestions and it takes you on this journey of music and I love music anyway. So I I like to keep aware of what's going on because I think you have to, to be fresh yes. for the creatives and you can't, uh, you, you've got to be on the pulse and know what's going on. Otherwise, you're just living in the past, aren't you? So. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, really, I really want to pick up on your music taste in a moment. So and first, I want to just go through some of the details about uh, the Cafresi remix of Mr. Sandman that was used on TikTok. Yeah. And so uh, one thing that... So there's a few angles that are interesting to me on this one, just as a, as a music professional. Um, the first one is uh, the track was obviously loved by the client already. Uh, and it's it's got a really there's a, there's a there's a there's a pretty obvious um, strategy to it if it was used this way because it's a very old track from 1955, yeah. Re- remixed to sound like the most contemporary thing you've ever heard. So it's as if you're trying to bring in two audiences with that. Is that what TikTok were going for? They want to expand into wow. these. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. Um, they definitely are going for the expanding audience because they got quite a bad rep first of all for young girls or young um and they that's definitely moved on because it's not like that anymore and and i didn't see it like that but actually thinking about it that's probably where they were coming from because we we did talk about um another track actually because zach thought of something else and they were adamant, absolutely adamant. No, this is the track. This is what we want. This is, and, and that may be why it was. And actually, the track has been talked about um, so much. So the client was right, um, which is not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> which we're at pains not to say most of the time, but yeah. Yes, exactly. But it, they were totally right. It was. It's. I've had so many people talk to me about the track. So it, they would. 
that they are very good at knowing their audience and yeah. that's a great thing you know when you're working with someone that understands who their audience is yeah but, and but it's spreading casting a wide net i mean my dad who is 62 sent me a text saying this is the best advert i've ever seen you know and just like with the tiktok oh, on it oh that's great yeah, that's so- really great what, what's really <laughs> lovely for me is i've had like uh friends and family all sort of say oh is that what you were doing because some of them have walked by because i live in leon c and um They've walked by the flat and they're seeing me on the Zoom. So I, I ended up having to put it on a piano seat, a keyboard seat, and have it up because my back was killing me just sitting down. So I, I sort of improvised and did that. And then they kept walking by wondering what I was doing with all this. And I'm, oh, is that what you were doing? <laughs> Shooting a commercial. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's great to be in the future and um, and to be, you know, to be at a time when you can do that in your front room. That's uh, very true. With the... Um, because we were just talking about you know the splitting up of the money which is always the hardest thing in music because you've got most favored nation you've got publishing co- uh, and phono to deal with and but it can be a real nest um yeah, and really so can. i wanted to know what was the deal with this one because you've got pat, pat ballard the original songwriter you've got the cordettes of course the holders of the master that's being sampled and you've got Cafresi. did it was this like a balloon of budget that kept expanding and negotiating or we actually negotiated it with soho music they they've got a a, a deal with um tiktok as well so okay. they they did all the negotiation on that one and um they did a fee because the thing about um tiktok they've got their own relationships with uh, music and um, with uh, celebrities. So I just had to overlook the contract and it was just basically that. We just had to get it cleared from a few different publishers and then um, there we go. But it wasn't huge. It wasn't, I can't, I can't remember the, the final figure because there was, the, now they're doing it globally, but it wasn't, you know, we're not talking 200,000 or anything like that. You know, when I, when we cleared a Beyonce track for King, it was like, you know, 800,000. It was like, wow. For like a, I think it was like two months. Eight hundred grand for two they, months. But they something like that. It was really high. I can't remember now. But the the thing about King was it, it used to be. I don't know about now, but it was all about the track because right. their audience are primarily um, American housewives. So we had to that had to be a cut through brilliant track. Cause that is you know that's going to get them. That was a very good client for a music company. Oh wow! So uh, I'll, I'm just gonna make a note. I'm gonna get all the phone numbers now. But uh, absolutely. Um, in terms of you were talking about your music taste, and that did pique my interest. Uh, I just want to get a bit about your relationship with that. Uh, you know, for you, is it a luxury or, or a necessity? Does it? Ha- you know, do you need your music when you're working, like some creatives I've spoken to? So I, if I'm not on a Zoom call, I have Radio 6 on all day. I love yeah. it. My probably favourite shows on there, and I love Guy Garvey's taste in music. He's definitely, that kind of um, style of music is what he puts on. He's just brilliant. I really, and Keris, I really like her stuff as well. I just, they're just, what I like is I learn. That's what I love. You just, you think, God, I've never heard that. I can't believe I haven't. Because I used to be very folky, um, because I played classical guitar and so I was very sort of folky that but now I think it's I like a lot of funk I like there's all sorts of different my brain oh yeah I like that the thing that I used to love was um rock and I can't do that now how weird is that I can't I don't know I put Metallica on now I used to put Metallica on when I was younger and I could like you know give it some now it's just like oh that's really noisy oh no it's really weird how you change, you know, mm. although Joni Mitchell has been in my life 
forever. So you know, maybe yeah. there, there's some change and there isn't some change. No, we 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 have we have blue uh, on the wall outside because you have to. Yeah, abs- absolutely. She's a remarkable, brilliant lady, isn't she? And and yeah. also Dolly. I've got a country thing going on as well. Yeah. So you know, I just I can't. Yeah, it's nice. I love I love it that there's not one genre, but rock. I've got to maybe I need to find the. Apparently, there's a brilliant Metallica documentary that I need to watch. So maybe I'll do that. I wouldn't know about it. They've never been on my list. Strangely enough, the same weekend I saw Dolly Parton at Glastonbury, um, 2014, Metallica. Wow. Yeah, it was was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Like, knew how to work the crowd. Young and old were there. It was huge. Great day. And she plays every instrument, right? It's so... I just love seeing that. I just think that's amazing and a pure love and and writing like she does i mean the the songs she writes are, are, are amazing aren't they they really are she's yeah no she's I'm one of the problem. one of the solid gold stars of the 20th century and also just you know uh, one of the uh, most what would you call it uh, i'm trying not to look for a cliche but very business savvy as well like she's really got everything locked down on her brand yeah, definitely. I love the way that she turns that around with the whole look trailer trailer park, but there's no trailer park going on in that brain. She's no like, chance. Yeah, absolutely, which is great, isn't it? Yeah. So we uh, we touched on Joni Mitchell. Was there a single record that you can really think back to that changed, either changed your life or is very significant to you from a certain time? Weirdly, I would say Yellow Taxi, which I know is a bit cliche, but I emigrated to Canada when I was 24 mm-hmm. um, and worked for, a, a interestingly, a B-list type studio. So we did all the Dragon Ball Z voiceovers mm-hmm. and um, I used to have to cast them, which I loved. It was brilliant. And they did loads of B-list movies. So I think at the time, um, Alec Baldwin's brother came in to record his folian or all of his uh, script, which was interesting. And that song, I remember in the studio that I worked in, what film studio, was playing all the time. And I just, I loved my time in Vancouver. It was just amazing, brilliant um, experience. And, and, and total, that changed me um, massively, actually. Because again, I, I learned a whole load of different things about music over there. So, um, that was, I think, what's his name? Jack Johnson. That's what they used to play all the time. Jack Johnson, that banana one. Banana pancakes, yeah, of course. <laughs> banana pancakes. That reminds me of Vancouver, which yeah. is great. <laughs> so wait, was this, was this, because uh, I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to guess your age, but you said this was uh, when you were 24. Was this in the 90s? Yes, absolutely. And I was, well, good guess. Um, I was, that was kind of um, during my tape gallery days. I had like a little, uh, it was just after tape gallery. I went to Canada and did that and then stayed there for three years and come back. Well, that's but when yeah. I was watching Dragon Ball Z. So you probably played some part in that when I was, uh, yeah, a young lad. Brilliant. Well, I remember my nephew who at the time was into Dragon Ball Z. So he must be your age. And he, uh, when I when he found out I was doing it, I got one of the, I don't know who the character is now, I can't remember, got the main character to record Happy Birthday and sent Whoa. it to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I was like, favourite aunt forever. That's amazing. <laughs> it's one of the perks of the industry. So, Absolutely, um, definitely. <laughs> now, that's... Um, uh, I want uh, pushing on with the um, the music thing because obviously we're all talking about COVID nineteen at the moment, and I'm I'm slightly wary about doing that now because you know obviously we have a release pipeline. We're doing one of these a week, and things are changing so fast that I'm worried that by the time we release this, it might be over. 
Well, yeah, you, you got a good point. I mean, the APA uh, have put out on their LinkedIn and everywhere the, the, the rules that we need to stick to. Okay. So I think and there, and there is shooting going on in London, um, all very sort of careful and also uh, a, a skeleton minimum crew. But it, it is possible we are slowly doing shoots. So um, I think that's going to continue. I mean, I've got a Phillips job that I've just been given and that will require shooting. Um, I don't at the moment uh WPP is we're not allowed to go on any shoots so whatever we do we've all got to do it via zoom which I think is sensible yes. um, but obviously the production company wise they're gonna have they've got to shoot and they've got to do it so there will be ways that we're working and, we're, and I think we're all finding out every different production company and agency are finding out I I'm part of the women in advertising on Facebook and we're going to try and get together and just have a conversation about what we're learning, you know, because I think that's the thing that we're doing more now is sharing what we're learning because this is new. It's not, it's not the same way that we were all trained. It's not the old school. We've got to go with this. And if we can all help each other with different things that we learn, then how great is that? You know, it's, it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely even like, you know, different apps or uh, how we edit, um, you know, everything like that, what we're passing on, how we're doing playback, all those kind of things. I think hopefully we might have like a little toolkit of, of how that works in production, which would be brilliant, you know, moving forward. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can't remember if you saw Rory saying uh, it, uh, it ought to be a thing. And if I were starting a business now, I would try and make sure that everyone was video conference trained because some of us are media trained. We're used to speaking to a camera and a microphone as if we have an audience. And obviously you have taken to this like a like a duck to water. I mean, you're probably doing it before. But there are some people who do. I don't know if you saw Boris's press conference the other day and you had the awkward all changing the mic, unmute, mute, all this stuff. I did see that. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? I, th- I And I suppose because I maybe like yourself I've, I've, I, I love I used to do hospital radio so I love interviewing I love doing all of that and you know I, I wanted to do that I suppose I'm not scared of it I love it but I know lots of other people don't and they find it they are still brilliant at their jobs but actually running because even on on the shoot you know someone takes control and you get involved or I'm not very good at silences so whenever there's an awkward silence I'll always talk what's quite yes. hard on the team is you kind of over talk <laughs> then you interrupt <laughs> each other don't you and it's like oh okay like the conference calls but I'm, I'm I find it really excruciating when there's silence so I'll always say something maybe not inappropriate most of the time but um but some people don't have that so you have to appreciate you're absolutely right it, it, it is something that you need to learn really it's quite a difficult it, you know some people don't even want to be seen like a lot of people always turn their camera off and I'm like hi and everyone's yes. no got their cameras on i'm like oh okay right turn my camera off you feel like you're so, in, uh, you've got a two-way mirror and everyone can see you but you can't see them you know? yeah exactly so i think that rory's right about that i think that we do need some training but and also i need to let other people talk that's what i've got to learn to do well that's just the extrovert uh part of the extrovert training anyway it's like because I'm, I'm the same i will speak over people um you know loved ones frequently i was like ah yeah but it, i'm saying something so you know i try not to do it but one thing i noticed with uh, speaking to speaking to rory it was quite clear that he's someone who does professional public speaking a lot uh because i thought at first oh um i can't quite get in there's some if i want to ask a question i can't quite get in that's because he's an expert at keeping the whole conversation going by himself as if there's no one else there and as soon as there's even a noise that i you know i want to ask a question he'll just stop 
and wait for it. And then when it's asked, he'll go uh, off in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think also his vocabulary and the way that he explains things is, is so interesting. And I think that's something I've always wished I had, you know, because you, sometimes you go, oh, I, the words I choose are nothing like what Rory would do. So, um, but, but you've made me feel really comfortable. And I think it's just about your experience, isn't it, in what you're doing. And, and that's, that's part of it, really. I think what, one thing I was going to say to the next generation or coming in, it is a great job. It, it really is a great job of producer. Yes. Um, I think you can be a creative producer, which I love. To, I like to think I am because you can get really involved with those creatives, and, and your job is so important because you're not only making it happen, you're keeping it alive. And I think it is a great job that I didn't know about at school because obviously we weren't told that. But I think it would be great to to um, big up the producers, is what I say. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something I'd like to get um, get here as well, because um, I remember not so long ago being the one who was looking through job openings and being completely overfaced because every job opening is about, you know, five, uh, 500 to 1,000 words long. Uh, they all say, here's what we're looking for, here's what you need, here's X, Y, Z. So what... Uh, would you say to people who are overfaced by that producer job opening where it says we need someone who is a self-starter, someone who uh, has previous experience, someone who, you know, and, and sees this immense list of things and goes, well, I, I can't do all that stuff. What's the, the magic thing you're looking for that's like, you know, to boil it down in, insofar as it's people who get things done and get things over the line and you, it's, good, that it's good to be around you. You're a good person to be around all of that package, you know. Wow, that's a big question. It's um, huge. <laughs> it's a huge question. My, I suppose my advice would be to be yourself. I know that's very cliche, but when you're in a room and you're having an interview with somebody, you can tell straight away if there's a connection or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. And, and yes, if those on the list is overwhelming, but there will be things on there that you are good at. So you sell yourself on the things that you are good at. And the things that you don't know about, be honest. I have never, one thing that I've never done is... Um, lied and said I can do that when I can't I always say not sure about that but I'll find out for you because if you're keen and I think that's the biggest bit of advice I give to anyone thinking about producing keen being keen you put in the hours you say yes to everything yeah. you are basically uh you want to learn and, and that's the most important thing I think sometimes you get people that can't quite believe the hours and it isn't that um glamorous um, because you are doing long hours, but that, that those long hours that you do, those five years that I did have definitely helped me now. You know, I, I, I basically am glad that I grafted. And I think a good producer is somebody that's fun, a grafter, and is willing to put in and do whatever is needed to be done. Yeah, and that's definitely also something worth saying to the younguns. Uh, I mean, I'm still in my 20s, mercifully, but, uh, you know, when you're say 21, it's really worth knowing that you can actually burn yourself out for the next three years and it will have a tremendous payback for the rest of your life. Do all the hard work now if you can. Absolutely. And also the people that you meet along the way, so some of the older generation that you meet along the way, if you make a connection with them, I guarantee you later on in life that will come back to you tenfold. Always be nice to the people here and here, and I'm, it will all work. Um, there's a saying, isn't there? Nice to the people going down as coming. I can't remember what the saying is now, but it's true because it, kindness doesn't cost anything. 
And that's that to me is I've been very lucky and it's really helped me. And people always remember, oh, yes. And, you know, not that I'm saying it about me, but they'll remember who if they've worked with you. And then later on, you, you get that back again. So that is a great bit of advice from you to the younger generation. Absolutely. It, what you put in now will honestly help you out when you're older. And it's and it's much easier. Sort of. Yeah. Well, it's that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's like lifting weights. The weights don't get uh, lighter, you get stronger. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is secretly my I'm pitching to be a copywriter, so. <laughs> well, I think you could have a show on Six Radio with with those, honestly. Okay, yeah, I'll take that, because we've got uh, Six Music just just over here. We're in Media City, so uh, I'm going to lob that across to Matt White and Julie Cullen, and then I'll, I'll see you on the air. But uh, Who, Who's your, um, who do you like? Do you like Six Music, or...? Six Music, if I had to pick, if someone held me to a, you know, a gun to my head, said, radio, pick one station, I'd be like Six Music, no question. I mean... Oh, really? Yeah, in terms of UK radio, because I, I, I like Beats 1, Apple, but um, I, for some reason I don't really think of it as a radio station because it's just exclusive to phones so, uh, iPhones oh so, right I've never mm. even listened to that I must listen to that okay well, they poached Zane Lowe from Radio 1 so um, and um, uh-huh. they've got Ju- Julie Adenuga in London she does that show and, and she's you know Skepta's sister so they've got this kind of like grime family royalty going on and so anyway that they're really good but in terms of radio yeah it's going to be it, it would have to be six and is it your with the grime stuff and with the is it is it uh, because they know what they're talking about? You respect them and like listening to them because they know what they're talking about. Oh yeah, I mean with Julie, that's one hundred percent what it is because she is in the, one of the the holy families of grime. It's not like reading it; she's read all the biographies. It's like she's in the story. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I like about Keris, and I like that's what I like about Six because they passionately. I used to love Jarvis's show as well. Oh, Jarvis, they, they passionately. Um, have you watched any of his Instagram, by the way? He's been no, doing is he worth doing? Show. Yeah, well, I think he stopped it now, but keep an eye on his Instagram. He does his little own DJ disco, and you can get involved. You can just like you know watch him. It's really good. I will check um, it out. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that's been quite good. Some of the stuff that people have been doing on there that you can watch a lot of the music side of stuff has been like because they can't you know do live concerts or stuff, other stuff. There's all kinds of other things that you can do, which I really love. So, yeah. Great. So hey, you've given me a lot of time here. I think this is probably a good time Thank to you. wrap up. And um, I look forward, I hope so. Um, I hope we can do it again because, you know, I'm going to be interested in touching base with everyone closer to Christmas when it's going absolutely crackers, but in a, in a strange new way because I have no idea what Christmas is going to look like this year. So you're so right. That's such a good point. It was funny, actually, because um, I can't remember where I read it now, but there was an article about can we make sure these Christmas ads this year are a little bit reflective of what we've been through? Yes. Um, as a nation so not sort of all like you know molloncoddy can't speak you know not all sad and whatever just can we make it and, and that that would be true it'd be really good because i'll have to start thinking about it now because it would be interesting the year that we've been through what to how they react to that creatively um because i just don't think we can i think we're all going to change i mean some people have said we're not going to change but i think we are i think this industry is definitely going to change I I, I I i guarantee it i don't think it will carry on the same i just i just don't no just, well let's I'm, let's hope it uh, changes in a in a way that's for the best for the longest time yeah i'm kind of hoping that it will ignite the experienced 
so that we can teach the inexperienced so that therefore there's something that uh, everybody can learn from this that's that's what i'm hoping that's a great goal and uh yeah let's talk more about that close to christmas yeah i'd like that it's been fun i've really enjoyed it thank you very much I've, i feel like it's my first interview so this is i'm, I'm on cloud nine now it's a shame Brilliant. i'm on my own because i've got no one to get excited with now hey well give it a few weeks you know if um if any senior uh, aides or civil servants want to take a, a tr- an international holiday i'm sure they're going to lift more lockdown for us <laughs> it's true yeah. all right thank you very much it was a pleasure thank you take care